Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Nuts in a Pod. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Emery. And we have a special guest today, oh, Brandon hey. Rittman. Hey, how are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good, yeah. I guess. Nice. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's good to see you guys. It's good, it's to, good see you, buddy. to have you. Um, and Emo, you're going to do a little quick intro. I guess I could. Have we known him the, the same amount of time? I don't know. When we, when I meet you? Oh, that's a great question. I actually don't know. You probably showed up at a party that I was at many, 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 many years ago. In 1994. 1923. <laughs> 19, uh, no, I feel like we've known each other for somewhere between five and ten years. Okay. And I don't think I met Lizzie until the last few years through Seth. Yeah. Um, Looks like I'm the winner. Oh, emo. We have such a long... Yeah, nice. story. We, we did go to the same high school, though, but we didn't actually know each other there. Wait, when did you graduate? 2005. Okay, so you graduated two years before me. Yeah, I was like very quiet in high school. I was very loud. Yeah, Extre- very popular. Extremely loud. Incredibly attractive <laughs> little, and intimidating. A little too loud. <laughs> <laughs> too loud. Yeah, so I've known Brandon for, you know, six or seven years. Uh, mm-hmm. Brandon is a local here in town, and he uh, works at Humana. Um, what is your job at Humana? I actually got a promotion last year. I am a uh, a senior technology leader. So senior basically, technology leader, okay. I used to lead software development teams at Humana, building very ugly software. Now I just mm-hmm. manage their budgets. Okay, very cool. There you go. All right, and he's a great person. I love him so much. Yeah, wow. we love Brandon. He's <laughs> wonderful. I'm going on like a couple trips with him and everything. Oh yeah. We're going to Mexico next month. Ayo. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sarah Fine. is mad jealous. We have to do like Sorry, a little Sarah. mandate during the day. Let's go to like a museum or something. Okay. Okay. It's settled. That'll be our thing. Brandon <laughs> and me, our little date in the day. Yeah, day date. Day date. <laughs> go Yay. to a art museum. So, yeah, it'll be good. We'll match up on Tinder and go on a date. It's adorable. I want to see a photo shoot of this, this oh. whole trip. <laughs> it sounds incredible. <laughs> I'm excited. I've never been out of the country, so. Oh, really? I, got my, I didn't know that. I got my passport last year in May, in January. <laughs> and so, like. <laughs> <laughs> and then COVID happened. You've been really co- getting a lot of use out of that bad <laughs> no, boy. No, it's, um, it's a little dry right now. A little, a little, uh, little fresh. You were so pumped for 2020. It just, like. I I planned so many trips. I was going to go to, we were going to go to Mexico twice, Montreal, and Tokyo, Japan. Man. And all those were canceled. But the most exciting part of each trip now is trying to get those refunds. Um, Oh, my God. That's not been going well. (laughs) Yeah. It took a year to get one of them. So I'm excited. Yeah. Dang. Hopefully we don't have to refund this one. Yeah, but we're going on a trip together, Mexico City. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be cute. Is it just the two of you? <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be sweet. <laughs> that would be that'd be really nice. <laughs> uh, Devin and Brennan as well. Oh, okay, I cool. forgot Brennan's coming. I'm excited. He can come to you on the date. Oh, I forgot Devin's coming. Oh, crap. I forgot <laughs> you were coming. <laughs> oh, no. No, it'll be fun. I haven't like taken a lot of trips since COVID, so it's going to be good. I'm jazzed. Cool. Okay, well, I gotta, I gotta say the business too. Yeah, we've been doing chit chatting here. I gotta say the business. Let's get back to business here, kids. So you listen to Two Nuts in a Pot on 106.5 Forward Radio. You can listen to us anytime at forwardradio.org. You can find us on streaming services Castbox, SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on the 
Interwebs, Facebook is two nuts in a pod with the number two spelled out, and Instagram is two nuts in a pod with just the number two. It's all cool and hip. You can also email us anytime, day or night, 24-7-365 at two nuts in a podcast at gmail.com about anything. Anything you want to email us about. Yeah. Questions about the show, if you want to be on the show, fan mail for Lizzie, hate mail for me. You know, Aww. Whatever, yeah. Whatever you want to send in our 1700 interns will answer in a timely fashion yeah they're good they're very good it might sound quiet now it might sound quiet in the studio but there's just a bustle of activity right outside the store <laughs> those interns are really working hard yeah yeah so yeah that's the business cool you just nailed that yeah did. did so we're gonna go into our first segment which is how are you for real so this is where we want to hear how you're actually doing. We don't just want like a short, I'm fine or can't complain or chunky dory. <laughs> yeah. Chunky dory. <laughs> Isn't it hunky dory? If someone actually said that to me on the street, you know, you meet somebody new and you're like, how are you doing today? Like the guy at the front desk today, if he said hunky dory, I'd be like, man, this guy is not okay. <laughs> you need some serious medical intervention now. <laughs> yeah, just stop right there. <laughs> too much that was too much what hunky dory was too funny <laughs> hunky dory just sent me over the edge oh I my was, gosh I was so okay <laughs> and you talk with the guy downstairs to be like something's wrong with him he said i'm doing hunky dory <laughs> how high is this guy oh. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> so yeah uh basically <clears throat> We want to hear how you're doing and, um, you know, the good, the bad. Um, if you're doing well, let us in on that secret because we need lots of help in that area. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing crappy, then great. That makes us feel better about our lives. <laughs> Sweet catharsis. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Do you all so, ever have We that? actually root for the bad. So we're like cheering that it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. This we is love. like one time I saw Emo and you said that you were doing like incredibly well. But you were like embarrassed to tell me or you were like scared to tell me in case my day was going horribly or something like that oh man really yeah yeah you and i was like no man you you know your friends are so happy when you're doing well you gotta like cheer that that crap on so that's true yeah. true if you're bigger people than us we just want to hear you're doing bad <laughs> <laughs> uh so i'll start with you emory how are you for real how am i for real well i feel a little anxious I might have said that for the last show, but I guess it's just been lately just being very, very busy, uh, just having a real real packed schedule, not only with work and high expectations there, but also just all the community service involvement and other little things I do. I mean, it's me saying yes to a lot of things, mm -hmm. but uh, it's stuff that I want to do. It just becomes kind of stressful and a little overwhelming. And I was looking at my schedule and was just like, ooh, yikes, this is going to suck. Um, but I think I, I think I can manage it. It just like kind of stressed me out, made me a little, a little anxious and nervous. That makes sense. I mean, you got a new job recently, right? Yeah. So start a new job in January. Um, and a couple of these new board positions have been uh, recently. So it's just like kind of a lot of expectations from the beginning. Oh, you're on the board? On the board. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this guy's on the board of directors. That's official, man. Yeah. So just it just keeps me busy and occupied, but it's stuff that, you know, I want to do. It just, uh, you know, sometimes it just be like, oh, this is going to be a lot. How am I going to fit everything I want to do in one day? Mm-hmm. Well, plus you need or that. Need to do. You need that that downtime to decompress and relax and collect your thoughts. At least I do. 
Well, oh, and, yeah. like, take care of all the adulting stuff, too, like mm-hmm. the cleaning the house and yeah. the, doing the laundry. and Yeah, be a homeowner and just, like, that's a lot, too, at times. So. That's right. We're yeah. all three homeowners here. Look at us. Yeah. <laughs> Homeowner Air 5. Yeah, that's right. I wish I could high-five you right now. I think, uh, yeah, I've done a lot of homeowner stuff recently. I'm getting some mold removed at my house. Got a new air conditioner installed. Um, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, it's kind of nice. Was the, was the mold when I walked in and like that front wall that was like knocked in and stuff? Kind of, yeah. Okay. So basically there was a leak behind that wall in my air conditioning vent mm. and it was like basically condensation was building up and it just like messed up my wall and I was like, you know what? I, I saw that last year and I was like, you know what? I'm going to worry about that later. Yeah. I'm going to deal with that when Brandon's doing better. And so this year I decided to do it. Nice. nice. Yeah, we have a list of like, we have this whiteboard where... We put, like, our groceries and everything on it and just mm-hmm. random stuff that we have to do. Smart. Um, and we'll, we started a list of house stuff, like, right when we, when we moved into the house. And I basically started... I haven't completed any of the tasks. <laughs> I've just started slowly erasing them because staring at it makes me feel bad. <laughs> like, you know what? If it really mattered to me... I would have already replaced the blinds. Like now we have all these workarounds, like yep. just of how to make the blinds open without yep. the actual turny thing working. Um, it's like you know, it's fine. And yeah, we have broken windows in the office that we just use like this little, um, I don't know, like epoxy kind of stuff to mm-hmm. like along the cracks, and then just covered it with one of those like winter weather things you can put on windows that are just like a plastic sheet so that's just been that way since we moved in we've been there for like two years yeah well it's funny if you're sitting in that room you can like see the air blow the (laughs) the little plastic sheet it's like wow this this is a nice house (laughs) there's something kind of fun to me about like when something in your house breaks finding out the little hack to make it work like yeah this one door doesn't open unless you push it in and turn it just right or you turn the knob all the way to the right and then you push it in or something like that yeah i get a weird success action out of that okay yeah. so that so yeah the house stuff adds on to everything else so mm-hmm. that's why i'm feeling a little anxious and stuff so i'm yeah. sorry man yeah you can always drop some stuff or like say no to some stuff hmm. i know it's not natural for you but yeah do you get anxiety about saying no? Because like a lot of, I mean, you especially, you've been asking me this weekend to hang out and I've had to say no to you twice. And I say no to Devin pretty much every day. <laughs> and so now I start to feel a lot of guilt. I'm like, am I not being social enough? Am I saying or yes ha- enough? How do you find that balance? Yeah. No, mine is like not saying no because I don't want to disappoint people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a boundary setting thing though. Like you have to say no to be able to keep those boundaries and know when it's too much yeah Mm -hmm. that's a good point well also i used to think about you know if i'm going to tell someone no i feel like i need to have a good reason yeah you know so i have to come up i have to either make up a lie or if i actually have something going on i'll say that but now i'm just like just saying no is enough i'll just say no thank you or like if i am not feeling well i'll be like no this you know but now i just kind of try not to worry about that as much it makes saying no a little bit easier yeah, I used to be a big over-explainer whenever I said no to something, and mm, yeah. I realized it was just like I was feeling like I was having to justify it to them mm-hmm. when it's like, no, I don't have to do that. I can just say no. I don't have to give them the list of reasons. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Um, totally. 
And I usually would end up listing like all the possible reasons. So I'm like, here's 10 reasons why I have to say no. And it's like two would have been sufficient. Even one. You were so prepared for that no, though. Yeah. You got all the evidence to support it. Yeah. Okay, Um, Lizzie. How are you for real? I am doing well. I've had a fun weekend. Nice. I I feel like I've gotten to see a lot of friends and it was fun like friday night we went over to a friend's house for dinner and then we had a few people over for dinner last night and it just made me feel so like adulty i'm like oh mm-hmm. my god look at me having like dinner parties Ooh, they are fun <laughs> and friday night we just like watched movies um, which is like my favorite thing to do like good movies bad movies like in a group of people Bad like, movies in a people in a group of people is so much fun. Yeah, it's almost better than good movies. Yeah, oh, it's so, so for fun sure. to make fun of a bad movie. Ooh, isn't that the best? I mean, what did you what did you watch that was so bad, or what, what did you watch? We didn't watch any really a, a bad movie on movie night. Uh, we watched Palm Springs. Oh, never seen it. That movie's good. Like Andy movie. Samberg, mm-hmm. um, and the chick from How I Met Your Mother, the mom from How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really good. It's really funny. I need to check that out. So, yeah, we watched that and then some weird movie that Seth picked out that was supposed to be like Annihilation. And I just remember there's one part where like chick, this chick had like plants growing out of her arm and she was like ripping them out and like they were bloody stumps. (laughs) Wow. Okay. That's interesting. (laughs) He called it eco horror. I don't know if that's really a genre. So wait, it was Annihilation or like Annihilation? Like Annihilation. But I just can't remember what it was called. It started with an A. I want to know Annihilation. Oh, yeah, it was Annihilation. I'll have to ask Seth, and I'll text it to you. Okay, because I love Annihilation. He liked it, he, and he compared it to Annihilation. It's Ooh. a little more slow, mm-hmm. more of a slow burner, though. It wasn't a rival, was it? Uh, No, I don't think so. Okay, interesting. I'm so curious now. But, yeah, and last night actually went out to bars, which makes me feel really old now. <laughs> Because Talk about that some more. <laughs> Tell me about I that. I don't know. Like people call me ma'am when they're trying to. Oh my gosh. Scoot past me. I'm oh like, am no. I a ma'am? Because it's like a lot of people in their twenties and they're like scantily clad and know all the words to the songs, and I'm just like, can we play some eighties, nineties hip hop, guys? <laughs> can we put on some Madonna or something? You mean the classics? <laughs> Salt and Peppa. Oh boy. <laughs> uh yeah, so it makes me feel kinda old, but I you know, I I still try to hang and uh get my dance on a little bit even though I don't know any of the songs. And it's good to get out. It's good to you with know the kids. keeps me young keeps, <laughs> with me, the young. keeps me young with those whipper snappers. Yeah. Well especially dancing, that always feels so good. Like yeah. you, you get you get a little sweaty going on, you get a couple drinks in you, and you're just like rubbing up with your friends, shoulder to shoulder. It always feels good. Like our group is very dance positive, so I feel like whenever we go out, we are dance positive. Yes, yes, very dance positive. Mm-hmm. When we were in St. Louis recently, we were trying to find a place to dance, and so we were looking at all the clubs, and some of them it was like a Thursday, so nobody there was no dancing happening, but a lot of the places were like, okay, tonight we're doing karaoke, and Devin's just like. Well, we should go there and try it out. I'm like, well, it says, clearly says karaoke. It doesn't mention anything about dancing. And he looks at me, he's like, well, it doesn't say no dancing. 
<laughs> and I like that immediately just made it click. I was like, I want to live in a world where dancing is always an option, unless yeah. explicitly stated. Yeah. <laughs> like you go to like Subway and it's like, well, the menu doesn't say no dancing. <laughs> or the little Google description doesn't say no dancing. So, you know, it could happen. Uh, I love imagining people dancing to like dubstep in a subway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this earlier. I guess dubstep's coming back. Like, yeah, what is that? I don't know. And the, ki- the kids think it's brand new. I love hearing you say it as an old old man. Here, dubstep's coming back. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just dated myself. Like this guy is clearly in his thirties now, solidly into his thirties. Oh boy. Yeah, it still it freaks me out that I'm 35. That's that's like a weird that age to me. Just it it was really triggering. It oh, was yeah. like almost worse than like. I don't know. I feel like 25 kind of was, too, mm-hmm. in a different way. But 35, it just feels like uh, there's just all this stuff when you're a woman, too, and your biological clock and, like, trying to figure out if you want to have kids. Mm. and No pressure. That was a big thing. And the fact that, like, you know, just think I was thinking about a career change. And then I'm like, okay, if I go back to school for social work, then I'll graduate when I'm. I was thinking about going this fall, and I'm like, so I'll graduate when I'm 37. That's basically 40. And then I'm like, so what if Mm. I have to get pregnant during grad school? And then it was just like, oh, my my gosh. I I hate this. I hate this. (laughs) I hate being 35. This is terrible. That sounds stressful. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But, yeah, so overall, I feel like it has been a good week. I had a limited number of drinks. Like, I think I only had, like, two or three drinks while we were out. And we were out. We closed the bar down. Nice. Um, no, no, the bar is no longer open forever. <laughs> they burned yeah. it down. <laughs> destroyed it. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, I was proud of that self-restraint. And I feel, you know, a little bit better today as a result. So Good for you. I still slept in until one. But um, lately, I kind of feel like I could sleep all day long. I don't know if it's just like my current bout of depression that I'm in, but I'm just like, I love sleep and I'm like, I can't, I'm like starting to really dread going back to work and having to be at work at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or usually I'm at work at like 9.07. I'm like predicti- predictably seven minutes late. Seven minutes is not bad at all. Yeah, I don't mind. That doesn't even count as being late. It doesn't piss people off. Yeah. As, long, as long as it's, there's something about it being under 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. That people are like, yeah, that's fine. You get 11, 12, 13 minutes every day, it's though? That's basically nice. That would be good. Yeah, exactly. That seems Can't like like 9, 13 more. every day? Yeah. Yeah. Nine oh seven is just right on the cusp that you... Some people might be like, oh, here she is, 9.07 a.m. <laughs> the rest of us have to lip, play by the rules, and she just gets to come in whenever she wants. Oh, I'm Lizzie. I get to do what I want, 9.07. <laughs> but also, it's like, usually someone's not seeing you and then looking at the clock. If they are, they're kind of a jerk, right? Yeah, they're being a, judged a, as well. Weird, weird move, yeah. Plus, I feel like it's your consistency. That's what's appreciated. Yeah. Like, the fact right? that they know exactly when you're going to come in, that's fine. Yeah, that's they can plan true. Around probably, that. I'm probably a comforting part of their day. Just like, oh, here she comes. Just such a, a hair uh, still wet, <laughs> <laughs> not really dressed appropriately for work, <laughs> and uh, what seven a ray minutes of, late. <laughs> what a ray of sunshine. <laughs> yeah, um, but it'll, it'll be good to go back. So when I just you start? have to discipline myself. I'm going to start next week. I'm going to go in two or three days, and then the 
the same thing the week after that. Mm -hmm. And then week after that, I'll be back to my four day a week. I've always been one day working from home and four days in the office. So is this you weaning off the COVID schedule? Like the all remote? Yeah, I need to like become a person of society again. Oh gosh. I need to learn how to like get dressed for work and like We can't say those words in this room. Discipline myself in any sort of way. I've been doing it since March and honestly it's been pretty helpful. Yeah. I like it. I like the return. I don't want to be a person of society. All right. Let's go let's go full hermit and come on. I would love that. Well bring it up not being a member of society. How are you for real? Oh gosh. (laughs) So we, you know, I don't know if it's too much of a spoiler for the show, how, how the, how the cookie is made, but, um, you know, we planned this weeks ago and I've been thinking about this question since you all like kind of told me what the format would be. And, you know, if you'd asked me a month ago, I'd be like, I'm doing incredibly well, but this week I'm actually struggling a lot. I'm really, <laughs> I don't want to be a downer, but I've been really, really up and down this, this past couple of weeks. Um, just talking about work, like I'm on sabbatical right now. Mm-hmm. I've been off work, I think, for just over three months. Mm. And for the most of that, it's been great. But, like, lately I've been really struggling with just how much change has been happening in my life over the last year, which we'll get to talk about, and it'll be exciting here soon. But um, I've just had so much change, I feel like I'm, like, saturated. Like, I'm struggling to, like, figure out, like, who I am, what do I do now, what's my schedule like every day since I'm not working, Mm -hmm. you know, like, what value do I bring to my relationship? Like, these, like, very fundamental questions and so i've been freaking out um also i'm sure you all know but sarah and i are in a poly relationship so that has its own unique stressors you know just Mm. something entirely new and dealing with my own emotional issues that i need to work through to to be a good partner and stuff like that um and just like i was kind of hinting at earlier but just like lots of work on my house which is like good in in the one hand but also very very stressful because as homeowners, you all know that anything yeah. you do on your house is incredibly expensive. It also yeah. means there's going to be an inquisition in your house. And like, usually my house is my safe space. So like that's being like torn up and changed. It also means I have to have some really creepy dudes in my house. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. just a word of warning. If you all haven't had any like service people come to your house, like, so I won't tell this whole story, but, and, and it's really hard to explain without being there. But these two dudes were at my house the other day for nine hours installing a new air conditioner in my house. And as soon as they showed up, I was like, these guys seem nice, but a little strange. But it's broad daylight. You know, I'm there with my girlfriend and her big dog. It's fine. And as the day goes on, they start getting a little stranger. And, like, their mannerisms get a little bit weirder. They start, like, carrying around power tools. And at one point, this dude is, like, shirtless using a knife to clean his fingernails right in front of me i'm like is this like a threat like is he about to stab me (laughs) and i'm like you know what brandon i'm i'm being weird sarah hasn't said anything to me the whole time she just seems a little like uneasy and i can read her body language she's not comfortable Mm -hmm. but i don't know if that's just because we're disturbing her schedule or whatever so we keep going right they're there so long i ordered dinner like i ate lunch while they were here i ordered dinner and I'm not, I'm not joking with you. I'm sitting there eating dinner on the floor in my living room. And both of these dudes are standing over me watching me eat. What? And like talking. And then they started arguing with each other. And I'm like, I literally look at Sarah and I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, I'm trying to, you know, be confident and strong and present a unified front to these dudes. But I'm like, I think I might actually die here. So anyway, the night goes on. <laughs> oh they start God. preparing to leave. And they prepare to leave for over an hour. Like, they're, like, slowly packing up their things, coming in and out of the house constantly, like, really taking their sweet time. And, like, 
eventually I stopped like entertaining their conversation because I'm like, please leave. Like, yeah. I'm not even. Gonna, my house. I'm not even going to be nice to you anymore. And uh, we like signed the papers. Eventually, they finally leave. They try to strike up a conversation. I'm like, cool, cool, cool bye. I'll see you guys later. Sarah looks at me and she's like, wow, I got weird vibes from them all day. I look at her, I'm like, oh, babe, I pulled a knife out of my pocket. I'm like, I've been holding this for hours just in case somebody tried something. <laughs> and she was like, oh, thank God it wasn't just me. Oh, my God. Jeez. So it was very weird. And I, like, literally was, like, on such a roll being productive and, like, getting work done in my house that that, like, kind of, like, traumatized me. I was like, I don't know if I can have these dudes back. So, anyway, that's been weird. Lots of weird stuff. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, just kind of all that combined has just kind of made me feel like I've been anxious lately. Uh, and I don't know if I need to up my SSRIs. I don't know if I'm, like, feeling depressed. But I just have been struggling to, like, not take care of myself, but just, like, kind of get out there. Like, all, all of you all have been inviting me to social stuff, and I've been turning you down constantly, so I feel bad about that. But I'm just, like, I just, I just haven't felt like myself recently. So that's been a kind of a bummer. I'm not, like, in a terrible place or anything, but just, like, not great. And I keep like a mood journal, which I think I've told both of you about. And this week has been mostly low, but that's okay. Well, and it's like, it's hard to be around people when you're just in a bad place. Because like when you hang out with your friends, you want to be your best self. I'm right there with you. Like you want to just be like a positive source of energy to mm -hmm. the group. And when you just know that you've got a negative energy, it's like, I don't want to put that on other people. I... That's like the best way that I've ever heard it described, yeah. So it's like, you know, it's okay to say no and just, you know, have to be be able to like be in your own energy and not have the pressure of like kind of taking care of other people's reactions to you. Like Wow. That was like such a succinct and beautiful way to say that. No, that's that's kind of what it is. I mean, and, and you know, our friend group is very welcoming and inclusive for the most part and like there's never that expectation that that's going to be something that they expect from me. But it's just like, that's how I expect, what if that's what I expect for myself? Mm. I'm like, I want to be happy and positive And like, I want people to be like happy that I'm there and stuff like that. And it's just like lately my, my mental state's been unpredictable. So I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to like what version of myself is going to be there when I show up to this place. Yeah. So I'm just like, it's better to be safe and just not even leave my house, which is a bummer. Well, I think it's like, it's kind of a, I've learned for myself that it's a, it, for me personally, it's a people pleasing thing. And mm -hmm. so sometimes I try to say, you know what, I'm in a bad mood and it would make me feel better to be around other people. And I'm not going to make it my job, how they feel while I'm there. That's like, smart. My job is to go and try to feel a little bit better and know that they're my friends. And if I'm having an off day, nobody's going to care. Mm -hmm. You know, they they're happy to just be, you know, be around me like I have a friend who, you know, we're really good at just being depressos together. <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll just be like, hey, you, we'll just hang out at one of our houses in pajamas and just like watch movies. And like sometimes we don't even talk much, but just like the presence of mm -hmm. the other person there. Dude, that's nice. It's really comforting. That's a good relationship to have. You were maybe thinking that we were happy if you were there, mm -hmm. but honestly, we're just happy that you're in our life, you know, as like oh. our friend. So it's like, you know, even if you don't want to show up or you don't text back for a while, it's like that is, isn't really that important to us as much as like, you know, just having you here with us in our life. So you That's don't nice. have to be physically present all the time. So no, that makes sense. 
And that's the thing is that you know, I'll talk about it here in a little bit, but I've I've had to learn a lot of that stuff over the last year, just being more open with my own mental state. You know, it's something I took for granted for yeah. a while. So that's good to hear. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Our friends are very supportive. We have a good group. Yeah. Yeah, we're all right. <laughs> I just feel like, too, like we're all a bunch of weirdos and we're just totally like accepting mm-hmm. of that. No, for sure. Which and is why like, I love bringing people to our group. Yeah. We are actually at the point of the show where we need to take a quick break. Ooh. So we will be right back. Two Nights in a Pod is a program dedicated to talking about the real stuff. The stigma of mental illness, how we tend to our mental health, and how our brains define and empower us. Hosted by Lizzie and Emery, Two Nights in a Pod can be found on podcast streaming devices such as iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and CastBox. In addition to podcast streaming services, Two Nights in a Pod is a proud member of Forward Radio. 1065 WFMPLP is committed to broadcasting the voices of those groups and individuals in our community who are routinely ignored by the mainstream media promoting understanding and collaboration among diverse groups, supporting our efforts to network, organize, and strengthen our community and our democracy. Forward Radio is a volunteer-powered, listener-supported station, and we need your contributions. Just go to forwardradio.org to donate or get involved. Okay, we are back, and we've got Brandon Rittman in the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely man. Um... So this next segment, we like to just hear more about you, Brandon, and kind of what your background is with mental health. But before we get into that, like, we always like to ask people, like, what made you want to come on the show? Like, what made mm-hmm. you feel ready to share that? Because it's scary to, like, sh- share that stuff in a public setting. And we're just always curious, like, what made you feel like you were at a place where you wanted to do that? For sure. And I could, you know, get on here and make, like, some great point that I'm like doing this for other people but I think mostly it'll just be very cathartic for me to like you know I've vented about different aspects of what's happened to me over the last year to different people you know therapists friends family whatever but I think just like kind of putting it all out on the line and and just kind of revealing all that I think would be very very powerful and I feel like in some way I hope that it'll kind of take some of the power it has over me away but mostly like it's just been talking to people like you all like my friends and family and Every time I share something, I've had such a positive reaction. Like, it's it's been so overwhelmingly positive when I talk about things. Like, not only do I feel better about it, but people, I get to, you know, connect with my friends and family more. And everyone's always been incredibly supportive. And now it feels like I have more allies out there, like, looking out for me. And also, for me, it's it's important because I think that it gives people, you know, like we were talking about socializing earlier. Like, I think it just gives people some context for why I act the way I do now because I always am worried about you know, my friends thinking that I'm avoiding them or ignoring them or, or whatever. And I feel like the more I share this, the more it, it, it kind of brings me closer to my friends. So, um, yeah. And I just, over the last few months, I've had a lot of time to decompress cause I've been on sabbatical. And so I just feel like I can get through this without having a breakdown. I finally feel like I've, um, through therapy and, and things like that, I feel ready. So feeling good. Awesome. We're so happy you're here. Thank you guys for the invite. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very happy to hear. Um, so this is where we just get into your story, like whatever you want to share, like as far as your history with mental health or even just big events that affected you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just kind of what your story is with that. What sure. your experiences have been? So I've had a lot of um, really key events happen to me over the last year that's just changed me <laughs> in so many ways. But um, for the most part, for most of my life, like I didn't really have to worry about mental health. Like I feel like kind of a like a jerk saying this, but like it was just I took it for granted. Like you know, I didn't have any major traumas as a child. You know, I dealt with a little bit of depression and stress when I was in school because I wasn't sleeping well and I was lonely, but like nothing terrible. And through most of my 20s, I've been a pretty happy, normal, healthy dude. Um, you know, eat well, take care of myself, work, whatever. I haven't had, you know, partners. But 2020 is when things started to change. I was in a relationship for seven plus years that was kind of reaching its last legs. And I actually started something that ended up being like one of the most important things I ever did. But I started a mood journal where basically I started to keep track of how I was feeling every day. And if I wanted, I could write little tidbits. And I just started that and I very quickly realized that my relationship, you know, I was not happy in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it immediately helped me there. And I broke up with my partner and I was living alone for the first time at the very beginning of 2020. Um, But um, yeah, like I said, most of of my life I, um, you know, kind of took it for granted. Now, I will say that when I was a kid, my my parents went through a pretty rough divorce. And so I kind of had a weird warped idea of how relationships were supposed to work. And even when I was young, I realized that my mom was a little unstable. She um, was, was, I guess you could say emotionally abusive, but I never really wanted to call it that just because I always felt like if I wasn't being physically abused that I really didn't have anything to complain about. Mm. Um, So I've been kind of coming to grips with that a little bit. But it's just, um, yeah, I I always kind of noticed that my mom was a little odd. Um, She was, you know, can be very aggressive at times. And so once I moved out, I started to distance from her built a better relationship with my dad after they divorced. And I mostly just tried to like build myself up over the last 10 years from when I was about 20 to 30. Um, and throughout that time, my mom would kind of come in and out of my life. Like I usually kept her at arm's length because she just wasn't, you know, healthy for me. And so it was kind of, it, it became almost kind of rare to see her. Um, I think the last time I saw her before last year was, um, for Thanksgiving. So anyway, this is all just a little bit of context. Um, in early February, after I broke up with my partner, I told my mom, she asked me how I was doing. I told her, I was like, I'm feeling terrible. I broke up with my partner and I'm trying to like refigure out how to live my life alone. Um, and at the time I thought it was a really big deal. So my mom immediately called me and it was, um, about nine 30, February 17th of 2020. And we're talking and she's like hysterical for some reason. I'm like, I'm the one that's sad. Why are you hysterical? So anyway, we're talking and it's, it's very apparent that she's struggling mentally and, uh, you know, I didn't think anything of it. Uh, it's just, my mom has, has been up and down through most of my life. She was kind of hysterical, so I didn't think that much of it. I just talked very calmly. But for some reason, um, I felt like being really honest with her that night, uh, which was, which was rare because I was mostly so afraid of her for most of my life. Like I was, I would usually just keep her at a distance. I wouldn't be too honest with her. I wouldn't tell her too many hard truths. I wouldn't be too open about myself just to kind of protect myself. But for some reason that day, I was like, I'm just going to be brutally honest with her. So I told her that we had, you know, I broke up with my partner and I was sad about it. And she was asking why I didn't tell her and all these things. And eventually she starts to kind of divulge more about herself. She's like telling me about childhood abuses she went through and all these things, things I'd never heard in my entire life. Um, and that was the first night she ever mentioned that she was thinking about hurting herself. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, um, you know, that's hard to hear. I'm sorry. And for a while, we'd been, my family had been trying to urge her to maybe see psychiatric help or see a therapist or see a doctor or something because she was taking care of herself physically, but not mentally. 
So anyway, long story short, this is like <laughs> a crazy hardcore transition, but as I'm talking to her, I've been talking to her for about an hour, and it's about 10, 15 at night, and I remember this very vividly because she, I, I tell her, I was like, you know what, Mom, I really think it'd be good for you to get, to get some help. And all she said was, wow. And she sat the phone down, and I hear one gunshot. And I was like, okay. So in my rational brain, I'm like, this, this can't be what I think it is. Like, this, your brain immediately is trying to figure out what else that could possibly be. You're like, maybe she's being dramatic. You know, maybe I heard something. And so I didn't actually freak out or think anything of it at first. I was like, this is totally normal. So I'm like, Mom, she, she stopped responding. So I was like, okay, she must be fine. I was like, just in case, I'm going to call 911, just in case, you know, she accidentally shot her like leg or something like that. But of course, we all know I'm on this show. My, that's when my mom committed suicide. She did it over the phone with me. And it's really, really bizarre because you have such an odd relationship to your parents passing now. Like most people's parents pass of health complications or yeah. you know, old age or something like that. But I have this like, you know, big T trauma associated with it. And I have a already a very tough and tenuous relationship with my mom. And this just complicates everything. So like, this is where I would normally do a lot of cursing, but I'm on the radio, so I got to be good about it. But uh, no joke for the next two weeks, I didn't sleep after that unless I was completely out of my mind on some kind of drug or alcohol or something like that. And I've mostly spent the best, the last part of the last year and five months trying to figure out my life after that event. Um, and I'm, I'm very, very blessed because, uh, screw the word blessed, I'm, I'm very fortunate that like my work reached out to get me a therapist. So I immediately started going to therapy after this. But basically for the next few days, my brain, I don't know if you guys have ever undergone like any really direct trauma like that. But like your brain is like completely malleable and trying to figure out what it just experienced. Like I can tell you the night it happened, like my brain was just pumping full of every stress hormone. I was like on sleep aids because I always take sleep aids before bed <laughs> because I was trying to get back into a schedule. But like my brain was fighting through that and pumping so much energy into me that I was like wired and I was freaking out and just like absolutely out of my mind. And from that moment, I lost my mom, inherited her house, her car, both of her dogs, which are now my dogs, um, two mortgages, all of her bills and her debts and all this stuff. And of course, I was as the only son and she had no partner. I was the one responsible for her funeral and, oh and taking care of probate court and stuff like that, which is like terrible. I don't know if you guys have ever dealt with the court system. It sucks. But like while I was doing full time work and things like that. And so it's trying to like decipher that and like reground myself while also take ca taking care of myself, but also taking care of her stuff. It was just a lot. And, um, it was really tragic because my dad, I think took it the hardest. I had a good relationship with my dad and he was still <laughs> in love with my mom. He genuinely thought that she was going to be the person that he lived the rest of his life with, but you know, she was not in a good place to do that. She never was stable. So they, they ended up staying divorced. But I remember my dad dropped me off at my therapist and my therapist is such a sweet, he's an older man. And he just looked at me, he's like, I don't know if I should be treating Brandon or your dad. Because <laughs> he's like, my dad looks sad. Um, and this, again, this is February 17th this week. And so this is about the time that COVID starts becoming a reality. Late February, early March, that's kind of when we all started to hear about yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. And I remember early March, my dad was still here, but COVID had hit. 
And so I was like, you know what, Dad, we should stop hanging out because he's he's older, he's health compromised. And so I was like, I didn't want to get him sick. I was like, I've already got one parent's death on my hands. I don't know if I can handle getting my dad sick. So I kept him at a distance. And eventually he went back to Florida where he lives. And we kept up, you know, phone calls throughout the year. But what was really sad is that I could tell he was horribly affected by my mom's passing. And also the fact that his son was implicated in it just like, devastated him he felt like such genuine guilt about it he thought he was responsible mm. and i kept explaining to him i was like trying to like tell him what my therapist was telling me yeah you know because the first thing you think about when someone takes their life so close to you is like how how is this my fault like what could i have done differently you know i racked my brain about that for six nine months and my dad was doing the same thing anyway this is all basically to say that um Last year, I remember I would call my dad every week, uh, every Tuesday. That was just the day I had. And we would call, and I'd talk to him for an hour or so and kind of catch up with my life. And, you know, my family was all pressuring me to come see him because he was not doing well. But I was like, Florida is a hot spot for COVID. I'm not going to do this. And I remember one night I call, and I had a group chat with my family so we could all keep tabs on my dad, basically make sure he was doing okay. It was my brothers and my aunt. And one time I call him, he doesn't respond, which isn't isn't weird at all. And so I tell the group, I'm like, hey, guys, I called Daddy, he didn't respond, just a heads up, I checked in on him. And then immediately I get a call from my brother. And I remember I was on my back porch drinking a beer, and all he's, the first thing he says is, he's dead. And I'm like, what? This can't be weird, right? I'm like, what happened? What, what's going on here? And he's like, oh, Dad's dead. I was like, this cannot be real. <laughs> my mom just died four months ago. This This has to be like a joke. And so I confirmed, and he's like, told me the details he was passed out face down on his bedroom floor and again like the same kind of weird guilt and grief was hitting me immediately i was like man did i fail my dad too fell my mom and i failed my dad and so sarah was with me luckily i had basically just like laid on my bedroom floor and cried for the rest of the night until i passed out but it's just like both of those things i lost both my parents like in an instant and i think one of the most brutal things about it is just wondering, you know, if it was my fault or if I could have done something more like I thought I was being responsible. And it's even like what we were talking about earlier, just trying to take care of yourself. Like I didn't feel like I was a good good place to take care of my dad. So those are like the big events that hit me last year. And now I've got two estates I'm taking care of and I'm working a full-time job. And somehow I got a promotion in the middle of all of this. (laughs) So I'm trying to learn a new job. And I was like, man, my boss is an idiot. He doesn't know how badly I'm like struggling right now. And I didn't want to tell anybody at work. Like my boss knew that my parents had died, but I didn't tell him any of the, the surrounding events or anything because I didn't want them to like judge me based on that. I wanted them to judge me based on my performance. So I tried my best to keep working through last year, went to therapy regularly, but I kind of started to realize that like, you know, even though everyone around me loves me and supports me, it's really, really hard, even for my therapist who's done trauma for 30 years, to really empathize with the situation because it's one thing to know that both my parents died and my mom committed suicide over the phone with me, but like the way that that's affected me, like I couldn't, it, I could sit on this microphone for six hours and describe all the different changes physiologically and mentally and physically that I've gone through. But I think one of the hardest ones is like now I realize how like scary and real mental health is. You know, my mom had potentially um, borderline personality disorder, and that slowly destroyed her for 50 years or 40 years, eventually resulting in her death. And now I'm just like, okay, this is something that I need to be cognizant of and take care of myself. So I've 
most of my energy over the past year has just been going, you know, going to therapy and trying to take care of myself and eat well and get good sleep. Hopefully not do too many drugs or alcohol. Um, <laughs> so I don't destroy my body and, and trying to basically piece back or piece together who I am now. Because I remember when I started therapy, I told my therapist, I was like, man, I just, I just want to be normal again. I want to be like my old self. And he was really sweet. He didn't say anything. But now I realize that like that person died, you know, so long ago on the phone with my mom. And so I just trying to like piece my life back together. Mm-hmm. But, um, a lot of that is thanks to a lot of the reason I've been able to do that is my support network and therapy. Have you all ever done EMDR? I think we've talked about it before. Yeah, I tried it out once. Uh, I didn't get very far with it though. I don't really have any like big T traumas. So it was just kind of hard to like anchor into it. That makes sense. Well, I found out there's a few different ways to do it, which is interesting. I was talking to a therapist friend of mine. But I even found out it was most effective when I wasn't dealing with a really direct trauma. Hmm. When I'm talking about like that emotional trauma, my, my therapist was like, okay, as you start to think about your session today, of course, think about, you know, big events and visceral events and things like that. But also think about, you know, conversations you might have had that affected you when you were a kid or, you know, when you felt confused um, because of an interaction with your mom or something like that. And that was really, really helpful. Like that honestly is what helped me kind of get through a lot of it. And you know, before I started doing therapy and doing MDR, like I would get racing thoughts every day. My brain would just like run away from me where I couldn't control it. And you all know this, but I was on a horror podcast for five years and I've seen, you know, horrible things in movies and they never bothered me. Now I literally can barely watch them because they're just too visceral for me. Mm. But mm. The, the, the thing that was so awful about it, though, is, is that I, last year I started to get like visual and auditory hallucinations. Where oh like, gosh. like I would see scenes from movies that I had watched, but they were my mom coming to attack me, and like they felt so real that I felt like you know a lot of times I had panic attacks where I would like basically pass out, um, but I would start to see visuals, and I would start and when I was alone, my brain if I was alone for more than a few moments, like my brain would run wild <laughs> with these things, and I literally couldn't sleep, I couldn't be alone, I couldn't. I, I couldn't function unless I was focused on a task. And I, sleep was one of the scariest things ever for me because I had nightmares every single night. So basically, like, all of this is to say that, like, it just, like, consumed me. But EMDR, like, saved the crap out of me. Um, for those that don't know, it's it plays with the left and right way that your brain processes things. And when you go through trauma, or at least for me, it basically acts as a filter. Like, it's, like, at the forefront of your mind. And so when I'd be talking to someone or listening to something... It would pass through that before I could even process it. So I'm thinking about trauma, then I'm thinking about the thing, then. So it's always there. And it would be, depending on how bad it was, like, it, it would, like, f- my heart would start racing. I couldn't breathe. Um, felt like I was going to throw up, stuff like that. But after EMDR, after you work through a few of those sessions, I did it probably, like, five or six, seven times for probably a couple hours total. And after you do that, like, it kind of helps your brain recompartmentalize that so that it's still there. You can never forget it. It's going to be with me for the rest of my life, but now it doesn't like dominate my, my thought processes Hmm. and I can think about it without it completely destroying me. Like right now I'm talking about it. I'm totally fine. Um, that's thanks to therapy and a lot of other stuff. But, um, yeah, that was super, super helpful. And that helped me lead kind of like a normal life. And after my dad passed, I started on, uh, antidepressants, which have been super duper helpful. Apparently, I needed those a lot more, <laughs> a lot more than I thought. Mm. But you know, I think you all probably do this as well. But you try to do as many like healthy activities as you can, or you know, just good, good healthy things like eating well or getting sleep or 
journaling or talking to your friends or going to therapy, whatever. Mm-hmm. I was doing all of those, but I also realized that there was a few times throughout this whole last year where those weren't enough. And that's kind of when medication came up as something I didn't want to do, but no, I needed to try it. And it's been pretty positive for me. It's been really good. Um, but, um, gosh, where was I going with that? I've been like rambling for a good few minutes here. No, you haven't at all. Um, but no, like medication was super, super duper helpful. And it was about, it was once I started to settle in on my SSRIs late last year, I kind of realized that like I'm someone that like holds myself to like an incredible standard. I think I'm like a personality type one or two or something like a perfectionist. Hmm. And, uh, and so like I was going through all of this, settling both parents' estates, going to court right in the middle of COVID and COVID is preventing me from getting any kind of normal support network from my friends and stuff because I was terrified of hurting anybody else. I didn't want to get anybody sick from COVID. So I was like a shut in. And so I'm like trying to find a way to take care of myself. And eventually I started to give myself a little credit. I'm like, okay, this last year has been tough. I've been going through a lot and I'm still working during all of this. And it was about last year that I started to realize that I was like, it might be good to take some time off of work mm. because once I started saying all of these things out loud that I'm talking about right now, I'm like, okay, this is like bananas to try and work a full-time high performance stressful job. Yeah. Um, and so I talked to my boss earlier this year in like February, March, and I was like, Hey, I'm not going to tell you everything that happened, but I'm going to give you the high level points of what I've been going through. And he's a family man. And he was like terrified and he was very, very understanding. I was like, John, I'm going to take a leave of absence and I might not come back and that's going to have to be okay. And luckily my company and my boss have been incredibly helpful and supportive and gave me the space I needed. So I've been taking time off lately, which has been good and weird. Like, I don't know um, how to describe it, but like (laughs) not working for months on end is, is like kind of freeing and nice. But also if you tie any of your worth to your job, it's kind of, kind of bizarre to like figure out your own schedule and stuff like that. But just going back to it, like, I admire so much that you recognized it, that it was a problem, and that you asked for it. Like, you, I mean, you stood up for yourself. Sure. And, like, you know, a lot of people, they'll struggle to do that with the fact that you were able to recognize that so clearly and then be like, hey, like, you asked for it. This is what I need. This is what I want. And yeah. Like, I really admire that and respect it. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I think, you know, it's... There was there was just a few key points last year where I knew that I didn't have the tools necessary to do whatever I needed to do. I just literally couldn't, you know, I consider myself a smart person or whatever, but I couldn't think of what I needed to do or how to handle it. So I would just voice that to whoever was nearby, like my girlfriend or a friend or my therapist. And most of the times when I would say something, like people would be so willing to stand up and help. And like, it's been incredibly positive, but like I contribute or I attribute a lot of my the fact that I'm still alive just to like everybody that's been so helpful to me. So it feels like it feels like I shouldn't be taking any credit because I've had incredible support. But yeah, just, you know, you got to be humble and just tell people, Hey, I'm struggling or I can't do this. Not to my own standard or whatever. And, and yeah, everyone's, everyone's so willing to help out for the most part. It's been super, super nice. I just can't believe how much trauma you went through during COVID. Mm -hmm. Like I had never pieced those things together. Like I had heard that your parents had passed, um, but I didn't know any of the details and you're just like extremely resilient. I mean, that's, (laughs) yeah, that is really like amazing what you have been able, that you've been able to take care of yourself and that you are functioning. For the most part. Yeah. And like 
functioning well for like the fact that you worked for so long. Mm -hmm. Thank um, you. Yeah. Wow. The the thing that's that's weird. I'm sure you all, you know, because the the pandemic like obviously still ongoing, but like it's affected us in such weird ways. Like I feel like a lot of people have changed jobs over the last year or stopped working just because when you're shut in and you have all this time for self reflection, like I don't know, you just things change. And so, like, there was a lot of this last year where I couldn't tell how, when I would feel a certain way, even if I could identify it. I'm like, I don't know if this is the pandemic, loneliness or trauma or grief or whatever. Like, so it was like kind of frustrating because you can't, it, it's really hard to decipher what's causing your, <laughs> your feelings sometimes. Mm -hmm. And the pandemic just muddied that. Yeah. Well, we're getting close to the end of our time here, and we always like to end with gratitudes because mm. we can get into some like deep, sometimes dark stuff. And so we like to kind of end on that high note. I think that's such a good idea. Um, so gratitudes. Emery, you want to start start us off? Uh, yeah, I will start us off. Um, I would say I'm thankful for uh, my little crew that I live with. Brennan and Floyd. Uh, yeah. Brennan's the human, Floyd's the cat. Uh, you know, we're just two cat dads. Brennan's kind of cat-like, too. He's kind of cat-like, yeah. I just say I'd be grateful for them. Uh, you know, both of them just bring me joy. I love seeing them. Uh, you know, they're just, it, it comforts me to know that, like, at my place, like, they're there, you know? I'm so glad the cat has just integrated into the household so like easily yeah well like brennan you know he was yeah well he is allergic to cats. <laughs> yeah he was you know he is he got he, over it he is allergic to cats um so the fact that we've you know we've been careful with like trying to make sure everything's clean and you know separate uh the food and water and his litter box from places where brennan will be and then he keeps his bedroom door closed so yeah we uh we made it work um so yeah i guess i don't know if he's still super allergic to cats or anything but it's gotten better but yeah, just having them there is great because I know that like, you know, living on my own would be, is, is a lot for me. Um, and it's pretty triggering for me. And I knew it wasn't mentally from a mental health. It was not okay for me to live alone. Um, so just having both of them there, you know, in different capacities, it's, is pretty great. So I'm pretty grateful for that. That's awesome. Cool. I can go next. Um, feeling very grateful to towards my husband right now. Um, he has been, so since he teaches high school, he's always off for the summers and he has just been a great little house husband. Yeah. Um, he cooks for me. He's really like stepped it up with like cleaning and stuff. Ooh. Um, and I've just been in a depressive state for a while where I haven't been able to do a lot of the stuff to take care of myself. And so just having a partner who can do that stuff, um, is amazing. Like, I don't know how I would have coped with this on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like feeding yourself is sometimes really hard. So like having somebody who can step in and help with that. Um, and he made an amazing Korean feast last night. So that's why I'm thinking oh. about it. It was so delicious. Yeah, that was really good. He's Man, no, I'm sad I didn't come. But I think the main thing you said there, you said partner, you know, that can help you. I'm like that to me, that's what a partnership is. And it's so mm -hmm. great that you have that. Because, like, they're, they're like, your champion. They're always going to be your advocate. So that's, that's awesome. Good stuff. Well, what about you, Brandon? So I'm going to, kind of in the same vein, I'm going to be a little corny, but just, like, my support network in general. Like, I'm still very much focusing on taking care of myself and, like, 
my friends and family and my dogs who are, you know, who I love deeply now and my partner have all just been like incredible at taking care of me and feeding me. Like, you know, last year there was a few just small acts of kindness. Like Devin brought me food a couple times. Like just knowing that you don't have to like do some chore for the day is such a treat. And like, um, but yeah, just, just having people to always check in on me and fight for me and, my my partner Sarah has been incredibly present and available to make sure like if I'm having a panic attack she'll talk me through it or if I just need someone to be around or talk about something so it's been it's been really really nice as I'm trying to figure out this mental health journey that I'm on to have people to talk about it with and to you know kind of at least bounce the ideas off of people to ground myself and so yeah I'm super grateful for that super super appreciative Awesome. And yeah, we'll continue checking on you and fighting for you, buddy. Yay. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much again for being on the show. It was mm-hmm. so good to hear your story, and I'm just honored that you felt comfortable sharing it with us and with our listeners. So thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Thank you beautiful. so much for having me. It's been good to chat with you all. All right, guys. Keep talking about your feelings. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Two Nuts in a Pod on Forward Radio. Please keep in mind that we are not mental health professionals, and all of our opinions are based on our personal experiences. If you'd like to speak to a trained professional, call National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. The crisis line is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Original theme music for Two Nuts in a Pod was composed by Neil Lucas.